Welcome to Whose Or Is This? with Anthony Waite, a show designed to help leaders and high achievers increase their influence and impact by becoming intentional with how they show up in the world. If the wind does not favor, take to the oars. Here is your host, Anthony Waite. Welcome to the show, Anthony Wade here. And the other day I asked somebody, what is holding you back? Now the chances are if you're listening to this, you've been asked this question probably by somebody or someone who was mentoring you, maybe coaching you or a leader that you knew, or maybe it was even a best friend. The problem with this question is, is what's holding you back is that most people answer things like my job, my finances, my, my spouse, <laughs> what's holding me back. And what I found is that these things was what I like to refer to as the currents of life, my current health, my current finances, my current relationships. And the thing about currents is, is that if you get caught in a current, it will take you so far away from shore or so far away from your goal or your desired outcome that you will lose sight of what's important. Now, here's the thing about currents. Your current job, your current financial situation, your current relationship, these were all created by your thinking which caused you to choose. You made a choice that led you in that direction. You know, success doesn't happen overnight, but neither does failure. You know, it, it's, a, it's a constant repetition of something in the right direction or something in the wrong direction. And when we take control of this and we understand that it is by our choices that we choose to get into the situation, only then can we make the choice and the decision to get out of that situation. So what I wanted to start off with today is that you have to understand is that what's holding you back is never outside of you. It's always within. Anytime we seek solutions for, um, ex you know, external solutions for internal problems, what we find is more problems. So what I want you to understand is that I am, and what I have learned throughout my process is that I am often the problem. It's usually me. I am often the problem, and I am always the solution. Now, this is a powerful stance that I took in 2014 when I felt like, you know, my world was out of control, that, that my life was chaotic, that I was struggling professionally and personally. And it was when I had a mentor that helped me see things a little differently that he said, say this with me. I am the problem, and I am the solution. And I was like, man, this guy's crazy. What is he, what is he talking about? It's not me. It's them. It's not my fault. And here's the deal. It may not be your fault, but it's always your responsibility. If you're going to change your circumstances, if you're going to have true transformation, you must take a life stance that says, I am often always the problem, but I am always the solution. This is kind of your ability to put that attitude in place that says, I will figure it out. And most people today fail to, to, to realize this and therefore they look for the next person to blame. They say, who's the matter with me? And that's an easy trap to fall into that often leads to the victim mentality. And I'll tell you that, you know, that was my life for the first 30 years. I would blame, you know, my failures and my struggles on, you know, me not having a father or my father not being present. And I'll tell you that, you know, in 2013, when I got back from Haiti, uh, I went there for the earthquakes um, for medical support, and it was there that I realized that life is never happening to me. It was never meant to happen to me. 
Now, there were some things that happened that, you know, were less than fortunate that I, you know, I wasn't dealt a good hand, but it never happened to me. It was always happening for me. And I want you to consider that wherever you're at in your life right now, good or bad, happy or sad, life is happening for you. And when I got back from Haiti, I remember, you know, reaching out to my sister and, um, you know, I haven't talked to my dad at that point in many years. And I told, I told my sister, I said, Hey, you know, what's dad's number? And she was like, you know, why do you want that? You haven't talked to him in years. And I got his number and I called him. And it was interesting because he didn't know who I was. Now, my dad struggles with with a drug addiction. And, you know, I'm, I'm his only son. In fact, I'm named after him. I'm a junior. And when I answered the phone, when he answered the phone, I said, it's Anthony, your, your son. <laughs> and he was like, who? And I'm like, it's, it's your son, Anthony, like junior. Come on. And... I, I proceeded to forgive him, and I, and I told him I forgave him for the way that he chose to live his life. And I'm sorry for whatever I did, you know, as his son to kind of resent me or, you know, kind of tune me out. And he just hung up the phone. But what happened that day is I realized that forgiveness, the forgiveness that I gave him wasn't just for him. It was really for me to forgive myself for allowing that to take control of my life, to allow that external person, that thing, to drive my emotional behavior. I can no longer blame him for things that I couldn't do. And so forgiveness is a powerful thing. You know, um, one of the, the, the quotes I love, I think Oprah Winfrey said this. She said, you know, forgiveness is letting go of the hope that the past could be different. Forgiveness is letting go of the hope that the past could have been different. You know, I think subconsciously for me, for a long time, I was hoping that my, my father would change, that, you know, things could have been different, that, you know, he could have been there for me and I could have been successful or I could have had more opportunities. But you know what? I'm grateful today as I look back on my life, as I, I have a beautiful wife and two beautiful boys, that I'm able to become the father that I never had. And I'll tell you that as we talk about these uh, limiting beliefs and what's holding us back, I wanted to set the table because oftentimes the things that are holding us back are never outside of us. They're always within us. And so here are three beliefs that I, that I found that are holding most people back. They've held me back and chances are they're holding you back. And um, there's a link inside the show notes that has a PDF that I want you to download because it has 14 of these and it gives you step-by-step directions on how to break these limiting beliefs so that you can start taking action and gaining traction in your life, your leadership, and your business. Now, here we go. Number one, I often hear, I don't have enough time. <laughs> Here's the deal. We all get 24 hours in a day. It's, it's not time management. It's self-management. The problem with most people is that they don't value themselves. They don't know their self-worth. And that was kind of my reality. If I go back in time and really think about it, when you don't know your self-worth or your value, you try to find validation by giving your time away for free. You become the yes man. And in fact, that's what I did. I, you know, I was the go-to person and I prided myself on it. But the thing was, was that I was a go-to person because I always said yes. So people would come to me because they knew I wasn't going to give them any flack or any, any kickback. They give me a task, I'll get it done. Tell me what to do, it's done. No questions asked. Only to find that when I did all these things, very rarely did I get a reward. 
And I often found myself overwhelmed because I still had things I needed to do for myself. I would put myself on the back burner to please other people. Can you relate? And so it's not time management, it's self-management. When you know your value and you understand your worth, only then will you protect your most valuable asset, your time. You know, one of my good friends, he's an executive pilot, and he's flown some of the, some billionaires, millionaires around, you know, in the private planes. And he said, he sat down with one of them and he, and, and the guy said, you know, you can waste my money. You can waste my money. I'll make more of that back. It'll come back. But never, never waste my time. <laughs> and I thought that was so important. And I think it's so valuable. And it's something that I've kind of tried to apply to my life over the last couple of years, because we get caught up in the value of money. We can see it. It's tangible. But very rarely do we see the value of our time. It's often whenever, you know, we're laying on our deathbed that we realize the value of time. And, you know, as a, as a nurse by trade, I've seen people at the end of their life reflect and really come to grips with, you know, how they spent those times, those hours, those days, those years. And you can tell that many of them live with regret because they didn't value their time as much as they should have. So, number one, I don't have enough time. I want you to understand that this is not a time management. This is a self-management um, issue. So start looking at your life and what you value, your core values, and start making decisions and choices every single day that align with those values and those choices and those beliefs. The second one that stops most of us is this fear of failure. You know, chances are you failed at something in the past. You know, I did. I failed at a, quite a bit of things. And chances are that this past failure is keeping you paralyzed in your future. Most people often say, you know, I tell people, never let your past predict your future. But here's the deal. Most people, when they say I'm procrastinating, you know, I don't know how to get started. I'm fear of failure. They are saying that I am letting my past predict my future. You see, what happens whenever we go for something that's unfamiliar, a, a new position, maybe it's a promotion at work or, you know, it's starting a new business or heck, starting a podcast or, you know, something that's going to add value to other people. What happens when we do something that's unfamiliar, we automatically default to uh, familiar patterns from our past. Now, here's the kicker. Our brain really keeps inventory of all the negative things that happened out of protection for ourselves. If I was to ask you, tell me all the great things that happened in your life, over, over your lifetime, chances are you could tell me all, maybe, you know, five to 10 things. Now, if I said, tell me all the negative things that has happened in your life, chances are you can double that number with the negative things compared to the positive. Why? Because we keep inventory of those negative things to protect us in the future. So how does this affect us um, with this fear of failure? Well, when we try something new, we look for familiar patterns and we start coming up with all the ways why it won't work, why we shouldn't do this, why we couldn't do this, and what would people say and how would they think or the judgments that we put on ourselves. And so in order to protect us, our brain pulls up those negative moments and that becomes our focus. And instead of moving forward, we get focused on the fear of failure, our past failure. But I want you to consider this. Our past does not predict our future unless we allow it to. And so one thing I share with my coaching clients inside the Lead360 Academy is that if you do not take time to learn the lesson, life will continue to give us the test. What do I mean? We have to go back in those files that we have labeled failure. 
and take them out of the filing cabinet and rewrite the script. You have to go back to those files that you have called failure and rewrite the script and learn the lesson that life was trying to give you. I said this in the beginning, you know, I learned that uh, life was never happening to me. It was, it was always happening for me. But it took for me to go back into those files, my memory bank, and pull out those files of failure and rewrite the script. And that's how I was able to go from being homeless as a teenager to working with the President of the United States to speaking at, at, at TEDx stages and, and, and being able to help so many people because I had to rewrite the script. And if you are looking to do something bigger than your current reality, you're going to have to do the same. And so I encourage you to go back and find those files that you called failure and extract that lesson because that's how you will take failure and use it to forge your future. The last and final one, number three, is this silent, what I call the silent killer of success. And this is the silent killer of most people's dreams. This is the, the, the belief that I don't deserve success. You know, I call this the silent killer because most of us will never admit it. We will never talk about this, this belief because we surround ourselves. Chances are you have people around you that know you as your false self. You know, when you go to work, you're a certain type of way. When you go into crowds, you're a certain type of way because you're looking to fit in. And what happens is this front that we put on um, in front of other people, this is what they see. This is who they know. So therefore, they're like, oh, you deserve this. You're so worthy. And deep down, we know that we aren't doing what we're supposed to be doing in order to deserve that success. You know, we, we live in, a, in, a, in an entitled world right now. There's entitlement all over the place. I was driving the other day, and uh, this lady was walking across the street, and it, obviously the sign said, you know, it was a, the, the hand instead of the person walking, and she proceeded to walk across the street. And I stopped, you know, out of, you know, <laughs> being a good Samaritan. But if I would have ran her over, it would have been her fault. And I thought to myself, she didn't even stop or look or, like, you know, wave and say, hey, I'm sorry. She just kept walking like, hey, you're going to stop for me. And I thought to myself, man, what an entitled world we live in. You know, people, you know, run the red lights. It, it's just, it, there's a lot of things. If you look around, entitlement is, is rampant in our world today. And I'll tell you that you are worthy of everything that you want. Every opportunity, any chance of success you, you desire, you're worthy of it. But in order to be deserving, you must first identify your unique value and add value to those around you. You know, when I was, uh, when I first came into the Navy, you know, I got in trouble uh, in A school. This is our basic training, and I got in trouble um, for, for underage drinking. You know, I was 18. I was hanging out with the boys, and we were celebrating our graduation, and I had a drink, and I got caught. And I remember getting to my first duty station in Bethesda, and, you know, they offered me an opportunity to go to the Naval Academy. And they said, you know, um, you, you have great PRT scores. You fit the bill. You're, eight, you're you know, 18. You're, you're young. You know, we can write you a package and send you to the Naval Academy. And I told them, no, I don't want to do that. Why, I, that that's not my goal. You know, I, I, I don't want to do that. That's not for me. And deep down, it was because I didn't feel like I deserved to go. I didn't want them to find out my failures from my previous duty station. I didn't want them to find out the, the truth. And so I wanted them to like me and love me and, 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 and accept me for the person that they saw, this motivated sailor that was you know, m really going after it. 
And so, therefore, I declined that invitation. And I remember thinking to myself, it wasn't because I didn't want to. It was because I didn't feel like I was good enough. I didn't feel like I deserved it. I didn't feel worthy. And the truth was, I wasn't deserving of it because I still had a lot of work to do on myself. I looked good on the outside, but I needed to be bigger on the inside. And chances are you know somebody or maybe yourself are in that predicament right now. You have to grow bigger on the inside than you do on the outside. What I mean is that you don't need to get more credentials. You need to grow your character. Credentials will get you in the door, but your character will keep you in the room. I don't know about you, but I want people to follow me, not for what I do, but for who I am. I often tell leaders when I speak to executives, I say, let me ask you a question. If you were to go out in town and be at the grocery store and one of your people that you lead were there, would they go out of their way to come say hi? Would they go out of their way to come introduce you to their family? If not, you got a lot of growing to do. <laughs> because there's people that I know that were leaders of mine that if I saw them in, out in town, I wouldn't say one word. I would actually run the other way. I would avoid talking to them. And that's sad because I want to be the leader that people come to, not run from. So the best way to f- be deserving of the, 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 the outcomes that you want in life, in leadership, or in your professional career, or in your business, is to reach your God-given potential and then give it to those you lead and those you love. You cannot give from an empty cup, but too often we see people who are trying to pour from an empty cup. So fill your cup, identify those limiting beliefs, and go out there and get what you deserve. Again, there is um, a PDF below in the show notes. I encourage you to download it, share it with those you lead, share it with those you love, but take it for yourself and really identify those limiting beliefs and how they're paralyzing you so that you can get past that and reach your full potential. Also, if you're interested, the Lead360 Academy is now open. This is a program that I designed. It's a, it's a 12-month program, but you can join for monthly if you'd like. And it's a group of leaders who are looking to take their influence to the next level. We talk about people skills, how to communicate effectively. We talk about personal leadership, discipline, and, and congruency, character building. Uh, we talk about productivity, right? how to manage your time and manage your day so that you can have more time to influence and impact those around you. And then we talk about um, your purpose, how to create something bigger than yourself. Many of the people in the group have created podcasts. They have gone on to create uh, meetups and, and bigger things that help other people. And if that's you and you want to join, then I'll put the link below to, to register. I look forward to seeing you and I look forward to uh, continuing join, joining you on this journey in 2022. Happy New Year, everybody. And I look forward to what's ahead. Hey guys, thank you for stopping by today. As always, if you found value in the episode, please share it with somebody. And as always, we'd appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast. If you're looking to apply these principles and practices further in your life, then I encourage you to join a group of like-minded individuals in the Lead360 Facebook group. The link is in the show notes below. As always, remember, live, learn, and lead.